When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Last year, when the last day came and the season was over and the Colts finished 4-12, and those guys were ready to get the hell out of the locker room and out of Indianapolis. That was not the case today. 9-8, and this team feels like there's unfinished business. They cannot believe it's over. They appreciated the closeness of that locker room. They appreciated the leadership and continue to appreciate the leadership of Shane Steichen. Learned a lot of things today. Talked to a lot of people today. Heard from many more. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the Pacers. They played tonight against the Celtics. We'll talk about IU a little bit. They play against Rutgers at Rutgers tomorrow night. This is Inside Indiana Sports Now with Ken Sterling for Monday, January 8th, 2024. Brought to you by the great people at MyBookie. At MyBookie, here's what you do. You sign up. You use the promo code Kent. You deposit $50 or more and you get up to $200 in an instant cash bonus that you bet once and then you can withdraw it. It's yours to keep. How about that? Remember, my bookie, you can bet anything, anywhere, anytime at my bookie, only at my bookie. Again, use that promo code Kent. Hit the subscribe button. That's a good thing. Hit the thumbs up button. That means you like the video. And if you want to make a donation, as Isaiah Cox just did, you make a donation. The Gus hate is way overblown. Hmm. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, Shane Steichen this morning talked about Gus Bradley, asked directly about Gus Bradley. And he said, what I'll say about Gus is this. We worked together for a while with San Diego, and I like continuity. And that's about as forceful as, as Steichen gets in extolling the virtues of anybody. And it really meant that if Gus Bradley is not retained, it is not Shane Steichen's decision to not retain him. And, and Steichen will have the opportunity to voice his opinion as to, and maybe he already has, as to whether Gus Bradley will be back. But if it's Steichen's decision... He's going to keep Gus Bradley. Gus Bradley, as a defensive coordinator, you know, is it is it the X's and the O's? Is it the Jimmy's, the Jimmy and the Joes? I think it was both. That secondary, especially when Julian Blackman went down, took a step back. Juju Brents, not available for the majority of the season. At least it seemed like that. He was down at least twice. Um, you, you had uh, up at the top... You had Ronnie Harrison, who's really more linebacker than he is safety. Uh, those guys all tried. They all did their best, and, and it just wasn't good enough. So as we get into a position, we get toward the, uh, the, you know, the combine and all of the, the senior bowl and all that stuff, if the Colts are going to draft to their weakness, they are going to draft at the cornerback or safety position. We'll see if they do that. 
we heard from Michael Pittman Jr. today. Michael Pittman Jr. did a podium, and, and he said, look, you know what? He, he's gone long enough through this process that he's kind of looking forward to free agency and seeing what's there, seeing what kind of offers are there. When asked about a franchise tag, he said, hey, you know, anybody would like $22 million. But he also said that he would not be enthusiastic about playing uh, on a cap deal or on a uh, tag deal. The tag deal can be implemented in order to buy time to then negotiate a long-term deal. I cannot, for the life of me, fathom why the Colts would not do what was necessary to retain Michael Pittman Jr. Michael Pittman Jr. has done everything that the Colts ask in order to be uh, as valuable as he can be. And when you've got a guy like that, I don't think you kick him to the curb. I don't think you just let him walk out the building. I don't believe that that's going to happen. There are cap considerations, all of that stuff. But the cap, as it stands right now, they got $72.8 million. So $72.8. Now that doesn't include what Michael Pittman Jr. made this year or Grover Stewart or Kenny Moore or any of the other pending free agents for the Colts. Zach Moss didn't make a lot of money, but he's going to make more money someplace. Gardner Minshew, also a free agent. He sounded genuinely rueful that this season had ended and really talked about the closeness of the locker room. And then after he was done talking, he's getting all his stuff done and, you know, packing up his locker and that kind of stuff, walked over to Quentin Nelson and gave him a big giant hug. And Quentin gave him a big giant hug back. And, and that was interesting to me. Um, a, a moment of genuine affection, not done for the media, but not hidden from the media. Those guys genuinely like each other. They felt good about each other. And, and these guys as a group can't, for the life of them, understand how it all ended on Saturday night. Really thought that they had a great chance, not just to get into the playoffs, win the AFC South perhaps, which they would have had they won, but could do some real damage in the playoffs. That Colts team, if they had hosted the Browns in the first round here at Lucas Oil Stadium, you know what? I think they win that game. I think they were the better team the first time around. So, um, and, and if you win one, why can't you win two? And if you win two, why can't you win three? That's kind of the way this works, right? Uh, what else did we learn? Uh, Ryan Kelly is not going to retire. That's, I asked Ryan Kelly. We were in a scrum. I, that's all I wanted to know, right? So I said, how do you feel about next year? And he kind of glared at me and he said, great. That was it. And it, then somebody else asked a question. I, I could have asked why. Um, does he feel great or does that mean that you'll be back? But, I, you know, you leave it open-ended and you crack the door open. And if they want to walk through the door, they can walk through the door. After everybody got done talking to Ryan Kelly, Ryan Kelly kind of went off a little bit and said he wants to know the source of the story that says he's going to retire. He is not effing retiring. Those are his words, although he is the word. He is not retiring. He wants to know who said that he was retiring. And he's having way too much fun to retire. They, to a man, I talked to uh, several other guys on the offensive line, they love Tony Sperano Jr. 
He brought a closeness to that group that had absolutely been lacking previously. And, and so, you know what? Really, uh, what you, Ryan Kelly's not retiring. The offensive line's going to come back intact in all likelihood. And you're going to have a similar kind of uh, functionality of that group. Austin Smith says, what did Tony Brown and Isaiah Rogers do? Well, they weren't there today, that's for sure. I think you mean Tony Brown and Isaiah McKenzie. Uh, we don't know. People are still, people are looking hard trying to find out. They did not shoot at endangered animals. That's a federal crime that is not against team policy. So nobody knows what they did. People are still trying to ferret all that out. Maybe one day we find out, maybe one day we don't. Blake Freeland, interesting. I had a conversation with Blake Freeland, and what he wants to do is exactly what Bernard Ryman did last summer. And that's gain about 15, 20 pounds and be heavy enough to kind of set an anchor when he's called upon to play right tackle or left tackle and have that anchor hold. What, what happened as time went on, people figured out when Blake Freeland was on the field, they could bull rush him. They could run him right back into Minshew. And that is not, it's not a good thing to, you know, if you're an offensive lineman and you can't set an anchor and keep a guy out, if you get trucked like a, a blocking sled back into the, into the quarterback, that's not a good thing. So Blake Freeland is going to do that. A lot of guys talk today, I got to tell you, uh, Zaire Franklin, Jonathan Taylor both talked, and Jonathan Taylor I liked. And when he's talking about teammates, he, he, there's a different level to him. When he talks about himself, I don't think he's ter terribly interested in what he has to say about him. But when he's talking about other people, when he's talking about Michael Pittman or Zach Moss, Gardner Minshew, Shane Steichen, all those guys, the offensive line, the leadership of a guy like Ryan Kelly as he talks to him uh, about going through kind of contract negotiations and that kind of thing, or through injuries, um, he turns into a different guy, and he becomes very, very interesting. That was interesting to hear how dug in he feels and how much in this offseason he's going to dedicate to being a real, a real part of this community. That's interesting to me. And uh, what was interesting is Zaire Franklin. Like, Zaire Franklin is gutted that they lost on, on Saturday night. And everything that he says... I think, embodies a, a really keen level of leadership. I, I, as I was listening to him today, I was like, you know what? My son, I think he's too old to have a role model who's a professional athlete. He's older than Zaire Franklin. But Zaire Franklin, as a role model for your kid, if you got like an elementary school, uh, junior high, high school kid who loves football, maybe, but doesn't have to love football, Zaire Franklin checks all the boxes, man. This is a guy who's drafted in the seventh round, 235th overall out of Syracuse. Didn't go to the combine. In his pre-draft evaluation, you know what they said? They said, um, uh, what did they say? It was, it was almost mean-spirited that he needs to uh, spend time in a, uh, in a developmental league. That makes him sound like he's a, you know, slow-witted athlete. 
and he's not. He, and so he drafted in the seventh round, like I said, in 2018. This guy is the all-time leader in a single season in tackles for the Colts. All he does is work really, really hard. He sets goals, attains them, resets his goals, attains those resets again, and works his ass off toward achieving and achieving and achieving and achieving. And that's what you're doing. If you got a leader like that in your locker room, you got a chance to win some games. And more than games, you got a chance to raise some hell in January and beyond. That's Zaire Franklin. Zaire Franklin might be the most profoundly effective leader I've ever heard speak in that locker room. Zaire Franklin is a hell of a man. And I don't say that lightly about anybody, much less a professional athlete. Uh, Nick Sirianni's on the hot seat. A spirit walk says, I really hope we can add a premier edge, a shutdown cornerback, and a legit deep threat wide receiver via draft or free agency. We're close. I would assume that, that, and we'll talk about that for a minute. I would assume that it is more likely that's going to happen via the draft and free agency, just given the history of Chris Ballard. Not a guy who digs deep into Jim Irsay's pocket to go sign premier level free agents. He's not. Drafting 15th, what do you think Chris Ballard's going to do? You think he's going to stick at 15? You think he's going to trade back and get more picks? If he sticks at 15, maybe you look at a guy like Cooper DeJean, the cornerback out of Iowa, a cover three type cornerback, 6'1", which kind of checks some boxes for the Colts. How about Ed Dallas Turner, who's an edge out of Alabama? That'd be interesting. I think that that'd be, that would check a lot of boxes, including the predilection that Chris Ballard has toward defensive linemen. He likes his defensive linemen and his offensive linemen. Uh, I saw uh, Keon Coleman, wide receiver out of Florida State. Um, You know, uh, Wilson, the wide receiver out of Michigan. Those guys are interesting as second or third rounders. And then in the fourth round, I thought Spencer Rattler. You know what, out of South Carolina. I know he's a little long in the tooth. He's played college football for uh, just about as long as I've been watching it. Spencer Rattler has been with some kind of college football program. But as you look at the quarterback position, Gardner Minshew is a question mark. Is he going to be back? Are the Colts going to be able to write the kind of check that he's going to covet? Gardner Minshew's guy, he's been around the block a little bit. What was it 2019 he was a rookie? So this was his fifth year. It's time for him to, you know, make some money, right? And he showed himself to be a guy who's capable of going out on the field in the right situation and winning games. But he loves Shane Steichen, and he loves the guys in that locker room. So maybe you get a hometown bonus or a lift, maybe, as he evaluates what he's going to do. Dennis Miller says, uh, Mississippi Colts, here, uh, what should we focus on in the offseason uh, and what you think about Kool-Aid? Oh, Kool-Aid, the, the player. I like Kool-Aid. I, you go through a life with the name Kool-Aid. you got to have something going for you, right? I mean, that's here comes Kool-Aid. I love the whole idea. Uh, but I thought he looked really good. I watched him play a few times. And, and noticed him primarily because of the name. I was like, oh, Kool-Aid, can he play? A guy named Kool-Aid. It sure looked like he could. 
but what I would pay closest attention to, I'd pay closest attention to the draft, free agency. Like last year, they brought in Matt Gay. They brought in Samson Ebicom. You know, I would assume that they'll do something similar this offseason, go out and get a guy, not an elite guy, but a guy who can come in and do some good things for you, has a specific set of skills, and he's going to come in and employ that set of skills. I would assume that that is going to happen. Uh, but the draft is always where Chris Ballard tries to lift the roster. We'll see if he's able to do it this offseason. You got 72.8 in cap space. Your free agents, Pittman, Moore, Kenny Moore, Grover Stewart, Braden Smith, is interesting. He's not a free agent, but he's interesting in that the Colts have an out this offseason, $6 million in cap space. If he plays, he counts 16.7 in cap. So here's the thing with Braden Smith. He's one of the best tackles in the game. But can he, does he project to be able to get over his injury issues and be on the field for the majority of the time? If you can get Freeland to where he's competent, you know, and, and, and I thought he was competent Saturday night, but if you can get him to where he's at least middle-of-the-road starter-level player, then I think you keep Braden Smith. Um, but uh, we'll see. I think that there are some hard decisions that need to be made. And I think Chris Ballard tends to make those decisions with emotion and loyalty as part of his ethos. And I think that's a little bit, that's laudable. And I think it's good. I, I think conscience is good in moderation. You don't want to have none as a boss or as the builder of a roster, but you don't want to be driven by it either. You know, somewhere in between, I think, is the right thing. So we're, what we'll talk about throughout this offseason, up to the draft, we'll talk about the draft, and we'll talk about free agents, we'll talk about the combine, we'll talk about the coaching staff. Is it, is it good enough? Was it the Jimmy, Jimmy's and the Joes? Was it the X's and the O's? We'll talk about that. Greg says, thanks for being in my shower every morning for this cold season. Great insights all season. Uh, all in all, I take it as a compliment. What are you going to do? We'll, we'll keep talking about all of this. The, the takeaway today is that there was a, a unique mood of sadness in that room. Not an eagerness for this to end, but genuine sadness that it ends now instead of ending next year. It was kind of like they got to, these guys are businessmen as well as players. They play, mm -hmm. it's a game, but they're also businessmen. And when you get to the end of the season, kind of the businessman sort of clicks in and it seems like this team is not in any kind of hurry for the businessman to click in. They enjoyed being a part of this team. And I think that's gonna fuel the work as the off season goes on. And I think that's going to ultimately be a good thing for the Colts. And they got to figure out a way to impress upon Anthony Richardson that running first with a football RPO where he tucks it and goes, that's not an option. He played five games and was injured in three of them. Once, took him away for the entire season. You can't have that. He's got to find a way to play 17 games next year. 15 minimum. And you can't tell me that the best way for him to do that involves him 
tucking it, and running it by design. Being a passing quarterback who then, when the, when the pocket breaks down, he takes off, that is a beautiful place for him to inhabit. But RPO, Anthony Richardson, where he tucks it and runs it around the right edge, no, 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 no. Got to put a stop to that post-haste. We'll talk tomorrow morning. I can't wait. Uh, tonight, okay, thank you, uh, Karite. You, you, the college football national championship, I got Washington. I'm taking Kalen DeBoer. I'm taking Michael Penix Jr. Let's go, go, and go. And I agree. He's too slight. I, I think in, in the NFL, it, it's, it's a little bit harder. Um, but I'm rooting for the guys who used to call Bloomington home. Let's go. Let's go Huskies. Let's go Hoosiers.